Hey guys, this is Leticia. And I'm Micah. And And welcome welcome to to Real Talk. Talk. So we're two young adults who are just trying to figure this thing called life out. So join us on this journey as we figure it out together. All right. So welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Real Talk. Welcome to season two. Yes, we have a new host with us today. Um, My beautiful friend, Micah. Micah, say hello. Hello, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Leticia, for uh, just being willing to step out and not being like, oh, this is, you know, this is mine. This is something that's my baby. Just thank you for being willing to step out and, um, yeah, do something, partner with me um, to do this. I'm so excited. Yeah, this is not mine. This is Jesus's. So if it ever did become mine, I would just stop it because it's not what this is about and it's not what it has ever been about, you know. Um, But I'm I'm really excited that we reconnected this year. Um, And it's crazy because we haven't really spoken in since 2014 so this is (laughs) it's a long time (laughs) that's when I graduated high school um so we haven't really spoken like that in a long time and over the past week or two weeks we've been catching up but um Mm -hmm. you know it's beautiful to have heard your story and to just see like where you have been in these I don't know seven seven ish years Um, and just see where the Lord has you, where he's taking you, what you've gone through. Cause I know you've been through a lot. Um, and I just, before we even get into other topics, cause we have a lot of similarities and a lot of things we're going to talk about this season. But before we get into that, I want everyone to hear about Micah. Um, who is Micah? How did Micah grow up? You know, what, what brought Micah to where she is today? So, um, and my friend Micah has a little baby. I know you guys probably heard it on our intro, but she has a beautiful four-year-old daughter. She's um, so cute. She is. She's very cute. <laughs> um, and so we're going to get to know about that. Um, but today, I just want to start, Micah, with just you telling us, take us back to um, how did you grow up? Did you grow yeah. up in the church? Um, you know, what, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so I was brought up in the church. Um, at Assemblies of God, I was I was brought up knowing the things of the Spirit, the things of God, just very aware, you know, of, of those things early on. Um, but there was a lot of legalism within my upbringing, and, um, you know, there was a lot of misunderstanding, yeah. and misteaching maybe of who who God is and what his character is towards us and him as a father, him as a, just a, a radical pursuing lover. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where everything that he does, everything that he is, that's the place it flows out of is yeah. love. Um, and so my understanding was not that. And so I knew the things of God. I knew how to read and journal and do devotions and get into the emotions of it all. I've always been an emotional person. Um, but really encountering who he was to me and how for me he was didn't happen till way later on. So, okay. um, yeah, grew up in a lot of dysfunction and uh, just kind of a, a, a broken home. And then once I 
got into high school, that's when things got crazy. So, um, so you grew up as far as my, mm -hmm. you grew up in a home where, um, you went to church, but you didn't really know God. Is that, I just want to make sure that's, that's what you're saying. Right. Yeah. So I I knew the things of God. I was, I was mentally aware, but there was not a heart knowledge because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a, a deep understanding of his love. It was just the, you know, like the rules the things about him and the rules like, yeah. yeah yeah like he's a yeah. dictator you know like there's this Almost, this yeah. man that I have to follow and I have to follow this list of rules and okay and yeah. then you said so so that and that's very similar to my you know my testimony too like I learned I knew rules I knew all the rules um mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I came out of high school and went into college and all that stuff that I really um experienced the love part of God you know, yeah. and that he was a God of love and kindness and mercy and grace. Um, mm. So that's interesting that we have that same, you know, similarity. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but it for me, too, there was a lot of fear that mm. was involved in yeah. at least home teaching, because it was like, if you don't, then this will happen. And, you know, instead of really focusing on the goodness of God and yeah. what, you know, uh, within these, you know, rules, I guess you could say, w- why they're created, and and there's just this safety and comfort and umbrella of goodness and protection and love within those, those spaces, or those things that uh, that he lays out for us as commandments and things. But, um, it, it, yeah, it started kind of fear based or performance based rather yeah. than love and grace based. And it's funny so. because you know. Although we are called to have a, a healthy fear of God, right? We are called mm-hmm. to fear him, but not yep. to the point to where um, you do things solely out of fear. Because yeah. if you if you think about it, he could have easily created us as beings that were forced to love him and forced to, you know, like little robots. But no one wants to, to be forced to be loved. And so that's mm-hmm. why he gave us that freedom. But if you're not teaching kids that you know, there's that freedom because of that love, then it just becomes like that fear, that performance based. Yeah. And, and even just to expound on, on the fear thing more, I feel like my, my fear of the Lord, healthy fear of the Lord really developed when I encountered his grace. Mm. And so it's funny that that's, that's when I began experiencing that like true conviction and just fear of God. Um, Whereas before that, it was it was more so a fear of, uh, you know, maybe maybe my parents or just uh, a fear of what I had been taught. Yeah. Um, And just like, oh, I just I have to get everything right in order to be loved. But it's funny that that the the fear that he calls us to have was met with me when I encountered grace. So it's just funny how that works. It's crazy. And so um, you said when you got into high school, things started to change a little bit for you or um, that's kind mm-hmm. of where some of your story, you know, began to really develop. Um, so what yeah. happened in high school? So I started high school really young mm-hmm. um, because I was ahead in school. So I started high school at 12 years old. I had been homeschooled all the way up uh, through that point, And then I went into a public high school when I was 13 so I was the youngest one at the high school, and being homeschooled all the way up until that point, um, I was not ready for what I was about to come up against. And so uh, when I was 12, my dad had also left. 
And so there was a lot of just longing to be desired. And, uh, you know, at home, I was trying to be the emotional, excuse me, emotional support for my mom. And so there was a lot happening. And so at school, I just kind of, I don't want to say I went crazy because there were people that were way crazier than I was. But um, my, my mental, emotional and spiritual state went a little bit bonkers. And um, I just went after the guys. I just wanted to be wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, came up against some bullying and some really hard stuff with friends. I remember every day I would walk into school with, with pure dread um, because wow. I knew I, I didn't have a home there. Like I didn't have a safe space of people and community yeah. who were real friends. Um, and it was funny because a lot of people knew my name, but I wasn't popular um, because I wasn't, for some reason, I wasn't the friend that everybody just wanted to talk to and, you know, hang with. But I was the person that people would come to when they were hurting or, or you know, had problems. They knew that I would listen and that I would be there and give sound advice or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they probably and so, could see that because, too, um, because you were getting a lot of that that hate. So you had to deal with a lot of that. So they probably saw, well, she already knows what that's like. So let me talk to her, you know. Maybe so. Yeah. I don't know. It was just a very rough time. I know I told you before, but even just to share, I was actually spit on in high school. It was to the point where, wow. it, I mean, I was just extremely disrespected um, uh, with people and around around people. So um, my safety, my security, my identity, my worth was found in guys. Um, mm. So, you know, Instagram or talking to a, you know, a new guy every couple of seconds or, you know, whoever was into me, that's, that's where I found my, my worth. And so yeah. that went downhill uh, pretty quickly because I wasn't, I didn't know, I felt fatherless, right? Mm. Because when we haven't encountered God as our father, we feel like orphans. And so um, I was just kind of, I was just really, really lost during that time. Um, And then about midway through high school, my mom and I moved to Nashville. That's where the Lord called us to go uh, for my music. and, And it was just, it was just where he had us. And so going there, I didn't know anybody, didn't, Uh, have anything to rely on Um, and then that's when I started um, in my relationship with with my my ex Um, so yeah that's where that started okay so just to go back a little bit um, you Mm -hmm. moved to Nashville when you were how old I was 15 okay Gotcha. I was 14, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was 14, um, but was already halfway through through high school. Okay. There was also nobody that could really relate to my situation because everybody mm. was like, you're such a baby. You're so, you know, you're you're like 12. Yeah. And I was like, I'm I'm like I'm closer to graduating high school than you are, guys. Why are we <laughs> focusing on this? So that was a that was a point that the enemy used or an area that the enemy used to cause a lot of division and in friendships unfortunately mm. because people um don't want to focus on who you are they want to uh pick out something where uh they want to make sure that people are finding value in them and they're seen as you know up to par or whatever and so if if someone who's 17 is friends with a 14 year old that doesn't look really great for the 17 year old, you know? Yeah. And so, um, 
But anyway, that was a really great time for the Lord to reveal himself as friend. Um, and so, so when mm-hmm. when you went to Nashville, did you still had you still not fully encountered the Lord yet? Or have you already encountered the Lord by this time? So all the way up until my kind of redeeming, restoring moment, which we'll get to in a bit, Mm -hmm. um, I had had experiences with the Lord. I had, you know, already received the gift of tongues. I had received him as, you know, uh, my Lord and Savior, but I wasn't living it out and I wasn't actively, you know, I hadn't truly encountered love. I had encountered different aspects of who he was, but it Mm -hmm. was still under the um, impression of what I was given from who was still over me, my mom, my parents, just everybody who was teaching me. So that seemed to always counteract who he was trying to meet me as, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And so I hadn't met him truly for myself until later on in the story but I still was having experiences I was still in church I you know I would still have you know I I had even had a deliverance moment you know where I saw a spirit of infirmity I literally saw a demon fly off of me wow um fly off of my body and it was I was like laid out I could not move it was a crazy experience so I, I I had had all the stuff I had known all the things and in that church that we were in at that point um, they were going into the really 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 deep things of the spirit but the foundational just who is God and who am I in God I had not found yet okay and it's interesting that we can like you know the Lord will still do certain things in us and and we get certain gifts of the spirit but we haven't encountered the Lord yet and that's mm-hmm. it's interesting to think about because there's a lot of people walking around that know the deep things right the they can mm-hmm. speak in tongues they can prophesy they can do all of these but they haven't truly encountered love God you know <clears throat> yeah. and it talks about that in first Corinthians 13 when it's talking about what love is you know um you can experience all these super deep things, but if you have no love and, and the Bible calls God love, if you don't have God, mm-hmm. if you don't have him, then all of those things mean nothing, you know? And You've so it's nowhere. just, yeah. yeah, it's so crazy that so many people um, that have these super deep things and can tell you about yourself don't actually know God. And that's really, it's really sad to hear, but um hopefully and we have to definitely pray that he will reveal himself to them you know yeah yeah it's um the foundational just again who is God and who am I in God that is that is where it all starts and that's where we can give him space to meet us and encounter us and and then within that grace and love that we experience and it's like oh my gosh okay yeah I, I, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. So when we then yield our, our life, then we begin to look different. And mm. and the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. And so that's when, you know, when we start operating with him as head over, over my whole life, that means over my thoughts, over my words, over my actions, everything, everything that I do, everything that is me is becoming more like Jesus mm-hmm. when I make that decision. So it's a constant it's a constant decision, but it's a decision to, again, become more 
like him because I've experienced his goodness and I know that you know there's nothing better I've tasted of it and now I can't live without it yeah Um, but if we don't have that then it's just a you know it's it's a facade or it's something that makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves because we're up on this high horse and we're able to make other people feel worse um or that they don't live up because we have it all together yeah but that's that's the thing we're only in danger when we think that our righteousness has gotten us somewhere the Mm. beautiful part is when you know i'm accepting my unrighteousness and my failures and i i'm laying that down at the feet of grace and then that's what picks me up that's what makes me righteous yeah um that's just that's so beautiful so yeah anyway it it, it is beautiful it is very beautiful when um because a lot of us i mean even myself you know um i've gotten to the point before where i i started out my race right i started out this journey with the lord and um we get prideful and and this happened Mm -hmm. to me earlier this year you know i got prideful and i thought oh i've been free from these things for years you know i'll never go back into these things forgetting that the only reason that i've been free is because of jesus but you know we (laughs) we start (laughs) the race with him i know we start it with him but then we try to finish by ourselves and then Mm -hmm. that's when it just goes down 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 yeah you know Oh my gosh. And that's been my year. (laughs) Yeah. No, I hear you. I I hear you. And I'm in the same boat. It's crazy. Because like I said, it's, it's the illusion. I just, or delusion, I guess. I just read this in a, in a devotion reading New Morning Mercies by somebody or other, but, um, it's our delusion of our righteousness that causes us to be in grave danger because it's, it's Jesus, you know, it's all Jesus. Um, It's none of us. So Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I'm I'm learning that just humility, constantly exchanging, you know, my failures for his goodness, my ashes for his beauty, all, this constant exchange throughout the day. Father, give me more of you because I am nothing. I am nothing without your constant presence being, you know, consuming every, every part of me. Um, so anyway, he's just, he's so good. And then the more we press in to taste, the more we want. Yeah, um, but that's the same with the world. The more we press in and taste, the the yeah. the further we 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 fall away from. We have to stay father, so close so. to him because yeah. if we don't, yeah. you know, it's so easy to just um, stay in the world and and get a taste of the world and be like, wow, I forgot how this was. This is awesome. But then, um, he always brings you back to where the world is fun for a second, right? Sin is fun. You wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun, mm-hmm. um, but. At the end of the day, once you're finished doing those, you know, habitual sins or whatever, he brings you back and, and you're like, wow, is this it? You know, yeah, is this, it doesn't is this satisfy. all? It really doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It's a it momentary doesn't. satisfaction. But after the moment, you're like, huh, so that's it? Yeah. That's what I, I did that for? With, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, really, that that's what it's like. I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking about... We were specifically talking about lust and porn, but they were saying, you know, every time you go back to look at it or every time you give in, it's like a uh, like a like a double sided hook. Like, it, mm. you know, it, it hooks you and then it, it pulls you back deeper this way. But then it, it and it just, it, you know, you, you continue to become consumed by it. And so it's 
yeah, when my days don't start out, and you know, I struggle with this. I, st- I struggle with starting out my days um, in the word because I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to take care of this, make sure this is done. But the fact of the matter is it all flows out. Everything that I do, all of my efficiency, every everything that I do has to start from his grace, has to yeah. start from, from his provision because everything that we're, we do is supposed to exude his glory. Yeah. And if, if, if what I'm doing isn't starting with that, then I'm just striving and nothing is actually going to, um, I'm never going to get anywhere. As yeah. many steps as I take, as many, you know, uh, degrees as I have, or, you, you know, nothing is ever going to mean anything. Nothing is ever going to satisfy. Satis- yeah. To satisfy you. And it'll, yeah. and that's the thing. It satisfies for that moment, you know, mm-hmm. even degrees and, and money and those things, they satisfy you for the, the moment, but long-term they don't mean crap, you know? Mm-hmm. And the past few weeks, um, one thing that I just keep meditating on is that nothing else matters. And I, I think I told you mm-hmm. this, but you know, um, we work and we go to school and we we do all of these things and then we give Jesus our last few minutes of our day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we could die tomorrow. And I know that's like extreme, right? But it's a reality, you know? We could die tomorrow and then what would happen to all of our stuff? What would happen to all of our striving? Um, in a sense, it would be for nothing if we didn't first put Jesus in that first mm-hmm. place, you know? And so that's just been a reminder for me that like, yes, I'm doing all of these things and I'm trying to do them to the glory of God. But if I'm not first spending time with him in the morning and making him my first thought, then I am holding other things as higher idols than him. Whether we want to say it or not, we are idolizing work. We're idolizing making money. We're idolizing anything else that we put first before him. And so that's and something. Th- yeah. I think that leads back to selfishness because it's all about instant gratification. So what yeah. am I working towards to see right now, see yeah. in this life? When in the spirit, you know, w- when I gave my life to Jesus, I chose to have one eye on the natural because we are flesh and bone, but we're also spirit. And so also having one eye on the supernatural. And so if I know that, you know, we're constantly storing up treasures, uh, you know, saving up treasures in heaven. And, and um, so everything that we do has eternal value as well. And so it's constantly having our minds on that as well, our hearts fixated on that. Um, and I, I think that that only comes when you're so consumed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he reminds you of the things of the spirit and, and what you're doing that's going to matter later. Um, I feel like I'm learning a lot about just how the instant gratification is not of him you know he's all about selflessness and patience and that all goes back to facets of love right love is uh patient love is kind love you know all of those things um and so really just learning to become more like him but as i do that i realize i'm becoming more like love um and god is love so you're becoming more like like him still right right um but yeah it's it's such a beautiful journey. The destination is is not the goal. It's how am I stewarding this journey? How am I stewarding the the little decisions yeah. throughout my day um, to give to Him? Yeah. Because if I'm not, then I'm 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 going nowhere. <laughs> I'm going nowhere. And it's I'm gonna keep going back in circles. And it's those small things, you know, the the times we decide to be patient, the times that we decide mm-hmm. to. Um, 
to not scream. You know, that's the times that we decide to take a moment and worship before we talk to someone because we know Mm -hmm. that we might not be in the greatest mood. You know, those are the moments that when we do those things, um, those all add up to becoming more like him, you know, and I think we we wait for those huge moments to do something like miraculous. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yes, those things are important. But what about your everyday life? What about yeah. your family? You know, are you are you stewarding that relationship? Um, are mm-hmm. you, you know, being kind? Are you taking care of your family? Are you, you know, just those things like that is when we get to really look the most like Jesus in those moments in our everyday lives. Yeah. Yeah. I so. think a lot of people ask and I've asked this question before. How do I get into ministry? How do I, you know, I want to I want to do something big. Mm-hmm. And our first ministry is is intimacy with the Lord and allowing him to minister to our hearts. And that is a constant thing. That's an everyday thing. And I've just been in awe in my own life of seeing, you know, when I start to walk away or when I start to forget that and I lose sight of just the wonder of who God is and how much I want and need that constant grace, that constant uh, just presence, you know, uh, consuming fire within me. Um, he runs after me every time. Yeah. And so my whole life, I feel like th- there have been points where I'm like, God, I feel like I'm just going in a circle. Like, what are, what are you doing? Like, why do you just keep taking me back through the same, like painful things? Like what's going on? And he's like, because I haven't captured all of your affection, all of your in- mm-hmm. attention. So until I do that, yeah, you know, we're going to keep doing this because I love you and because I- I'm here to pursue you. And I'm just like, Man, it, when I have to tell my daughter something twice, I'm like, why don't you just get it? You know? Yeah. And so, but the and Lord he comes is so after us a hundred times. <laughs> he does. He does. A and million times. seeing that patience, it's like, I need that just to parent, you know, that grace, that, that being more like him just to even be a mom. Yeah. So, well, let's go back anyway. to your time in Tennessee. So you yeah. said, because um, I want to finish your, your story and how you came to the Lord. <clears throat> But um, mm-hmm. you went to Tennessee, you said you got in the relationship with your um, with your ex. Um, so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, I guess in order to start that, I have to go back a little bit more, which okay. I, I should have said this before, but that's okay because it'll all make sense now. Um, Leticia, you mentioned in the first podcast that you did in telling your story um, you know, the Lord had you at a, at a winter retreat and he told you to break up with this guy. Yeah. Well, at that same winter <laughs> retreat, I was there yes, and the Lord was. was also speaking to me. And it's so fun. I just think that's so It's funny. really crazy. It's so weird. It's, it's kind of, so we weird. should, I feel like we should share it because it's kind of funny. Um, so the guy that I was, the Lord told me to break up with, um, <laughs> was the brother of who Micah ended up having a child with. So like, it it was just so crazy. It's really crazy. But okay, go ahead, finish. It's just a crazy story. (laughs) Man, but that's, that's part of, I mean, he was warning me about that relationship years before in that vision that he gave me at that time. So I just think it's crazy how he spoke to us about the same, like the guys in the same family. Yeah. Just like, so weird. Anyway, so I had this vision. And the Lord showed me two different paths that my life could take. And one was um, remaining pure 
and seeking after him with all of my heart and just running after the things that he had for me and just making him Lord over my life. And it was just, it was this path full of so much, um, just so much of his glory revealed and, uh, a lot of blessings and just like supernatural manifestations of who he is and just great things. Um, and then this other path was that I would get pregnant at 16. Um, so not stay pure, get pregnant at 16 and my life would be good, but it wouldn't be what he had. And so I took that and I I shared it with my mom and, you know, she shared it with her friends and, The problem with what we did with that was idolize purity, idolize not having sex yeah, and not idolize the the one who purifies. Yeah. So that led to me still not being satisfied because I was just like, oh, just don't have sex and then your life will turn out great. That's that's what the vision meant that, you know, as long as I don't do that one thing that it'll all be great. So I got it wrong. I, I completely dismissed, you know, his, his, his beckoning, his call to come just, just to him, you know? Um, so because I ignored that, I ended up, so we're back in, in Tennessee now. Yeah. I was 15 and my ex actually, um, didn't live in Tennessee. We connected over social media and, and we got into a relationship. And so I periodically, would still tap into some of the things of God, but it was only to kind of make myself almost like feel in control over the relationship and feel kind of powerful or feel like I was leading and it gave me some sort of sense of self, I guess. Um, And so I was still occasionally, you know, I was still going to church occasionally, still listening to the things of the Lord a little bit. But all throughout that relationship, you know, I knew that we were unequally yoked from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't, he called himself a Christian, but it, it was just kind of one of those, yeah, I believe in God, but there's no substance there. Yeah. Um, so from the very beginning, I knew that. And then the Lord was also giving me dreams and visions throughout that relationship, showing me the red flags, showing me I needed to break it off, showing me that I would end up losing my virginity and getting pregnant, showing me. I mean, down to text messages, Leticia, Wow. of what would happen once wow. I got pregnant, that he would leave, that he would uh, revert back to his upbringing and, and what he was taught during his upbringing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was like, well, since I know better than God, let's just mm, dismiss these. Because the pride. <laughs> I got it all together, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't. So... I got pregnant at 16 mm, and like the Lord told uh, you in that vision. Wow, man. He, he told me exactly what would happen. Um, and I didn't listen. So I, I got pregnant at 16. I was encouraged to get an abortion. Um, you know, my ex started acting crazy, started reverting back to, you know, old friends, old ways, you know, whatever. And I was very alone during that time. Um, I lost all of the sense of community that I had. Um, My friendships all just kind of failed. Mm. And I didn't have anyone to really, like, speak into my life. You know, of course, my mom was upset because she this whole time had been, like, 
just don't have sex. And I did the one thing that, you know, I wasn't supposed to do. Um, and so she was upset and emotionally distraught and, and she tried to comfort me, but it was hard for her. And so I felt very alone. Um, my pregnancy, even just physically, I was bedridden most of the pregnancy. I couldn't even shower without supervision because my health declined severely. Um, and so then, um, once I realized that uh, my ex and I were officially done because I was trying to fight for the relationship, but I was also like, you're not giving me what I need. Just change, and then we can be happy and together. Yeah. And it didn't work like that because his heart was already out of it. But once I realized that we were officially done, I, I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering correctly, it was the day of our, like, year and a half, like, of officially being together. It was, like, our half the anniversary. Anyway. And once I realized that we were done, I, re- I remember going to shower and I, I couldn't even stand. I was so distraught. I just like sat in the shower and just wailed. Wow. That's the only word I can ever use when I describe this story because it wasn't a cry. It wasn't a scream. It was I, my heart. I just it wailed. I cried out just in so much pain. Wow. And um, <clears throat> I remember getting back in bed. And what was that? I said, I'm sure that was like a pain that you have just never experienced before that, that wailing, you know, I can just yeah, imagine Yeah, because I had made him my God. Mm-hmm. I had made that relationship my everything. I was defined by that relationship. And so I felt like I lost who I was, my ident- my everything. Wow. And then I'm, I'm 16 and I'm, I'm pregnant and I don't know what, I don't know how to be a parent. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even you know, I don't have my dad. I, my my mom is d- upset because of what I've done, and I just I don't have any friends. I'm completely alone. Yeah. Um, my life is over. My music career is over. I'm just, I'm done. Um, and I remember getting back in the bed, and I just prayed, and I was like, Lord, I know I've given you nothing up until this point. You've constantly pursued after me, and I've I've. I've done nothing. So I'm sitting here. I have nothing to offer you. I just, I just need you. I just need you. And in that place, I remember putting on the song, Come As You Are by Crowder. And I fell asleep to that song and his presence just so sweetly overcame me and comforted me. And just, it was just like a sweet wind that just almost like him, him like blowing me a kiss, you know, just like, this sweet overwhelm not overwhelming but just this this sweet presence just overcame me and that's when my relationship with him really started um wow and that sounds beautiful (laughs) man it was it was it was a beautiful moment it really was um and I have to share this story just because we're right here and I don't want to get too far ahead when I do share this but he made himself so present throughout that process. So while I was still living in sin, <clears throat> not living for him, but was kind of in church still, he was still speaking to me. So at that time, while I was you know, still with my ex, this was before, months before I got pregnant, um, I was in church and I was at a church where the, the pastors were Australian. And so they, they, they spoke with an accent and so they said things a little bit differently and they were talking about the story of uh, Azariah, and um, Pastor Henry pronounced it Azaria. And mm-hmm. as soon as he said that in the service, I knew I was supposed to write it down, and I did. Didn't know why. I didn't. I was like, is this somebody I was supposed to be praying for? I don't know. Wrote it down in my phone. 
then a couple months later there was a, a baby dedication and one of the baby girls names was river and the same thing happened write that name down it's like okay so i have this name azaria river in my phone for months mm-hmm. and i had no idea what was going on with it and i forgot about it actually so <laughs> during the the really crazy time with with my ex and this was actually before my like real redemption moment um it was a point where i was just upset and and crying out so i just i was like jesus i just need your help like just and this should have captured my heart right here but even that still didn't um so i'm crying out for help and the Lord leads me back to that name, Azaria River, that I'd written down months before she was even conceived. And I looked it up, and in Hebrew, Azaria River means God's living waters of help. Wow. And so, Ooh. yeah, wow. yeah, I know. And so I was like, wow. So way before I even knew that this little human was going to come into, I mean, you told me, but, you know, whatever. Even before I knew she was going to be a thing, you called her out by name. So even just to attest to um, our value that we hold in God's heart way before we're even conceived, you know, he holds us and he calls us by name and he sings over us and dances over us way before we've even been conceived, before we're even, you know, cells in the womb. And so that really spoke to me hard because I was encouraged to get an abortion. Yeah. And that's a hard topic to speak on because it's, you know, it's a controversial thing, but I don't care. Life matters yeah and it it very obviously matters to god so just had to had to throw that in there wow so it is so crazy how he literally just led you through and and spoke to you so clearly even about your daughter's name you know and um so is river her middle name now Mm -hmm. okay river Mm -hmm. okay wow that is it yep that is crazy and that's when he gets us. That's when he really captures us when we're in our lowest. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if we never get to that low place, then we won't need him or we don't feel like we need him. And so sometimes, yeah. you know, people wonder, like, God, why are you letting me get to this low place? And I think um, if we think about it, he lets us get there because if we never get to that low place, we won't need him. Yeah. You know, we don't we will feel like we're okay. I can do this, but it's when we're in that place where we feel like we cannot do anything else that he really says, "Okay, I I know you can't do anything else, but I can. Yeah. Let me sustain yeah. you." You know. And he yeah, and that's, sustains that's you. That's what I was saying saying earlier, even just in like, "God, why am I going in circles?" And he's like, "Because I haven't gotten all of you." You know, I am, I am a jealous God. I want all of you. And that's it. That's his love. Like just the fact that a God would, that the God of the universe, not just a God, but the God would pursue me so much as to not let one ounce of me go. You know, he wants all of me, all of you. Um, That's just because all this time I had been wanting to be desired and pursued and just, I want somebody to want me. Yeah. Why won't anybody choose me whole time? God's like, really? It's like, I'm trying. <laughs> you you don't me? let me. <laughs> Do you see me? I'm right here. Um, but yeah, wow. that's what he does. That's what he does. Um, wow. So anyway, it's it's crazy. And the Lord, the, the Lord carried us through and has carried us through, you know, since then. So as you know, Azari was born at 24 weeks. Um, because I had a placental abruption with a blood clot. And so I was bleeding out internally. 
And so she ended up having a five-month NICU stay with, uh, I mean, she was on life support, had chronic lung disease, brain bleeds, uh, just like uh, liver failure, uh, all of the things. She was on the ultimate life support. She was on an oscillating ventilator, which most people don't even know what that is. Um, She was the sickest baby at Vanderbilt NICU. And the doctors actually at at one point um, brought in a chaplain before she went into one of her surgeries because they were like, this this baby's not, there's no way this baby is coming out of this surgery. So they actually called in the chaplain without my knowledge to have her uh, dedicated because they were like, this mom needs that, you know, before she loses her baby. Yeah. They, they didn't tell me that at the time. So I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll do it. Absolutely. But I was like, man, she's about to go into like, she needs this surgery now. Why in the world are they having the chaplain come in to do this dedication mm-hmm. before the surgery? Just get her into surgery. Yeah. But their thought process was she's not going to make it. So do it now, which I found out afterwards. Um, so even just seeing the impact that her story had on the NICU doctors and, I mean, we had hundreds, possibly thousands of people praying for her. And you could even feel in the NICU um, the warfare going on in the spirit. Um, Just the, uh, honestly, just the spirit of death that was just like lingering over that bed. Um, I mean, she was lifeless at one point. And so just seeing the Lord carry her, carry me through that situation is just absolutely insane. So then... At that point, that's when I met him as the great physician. Um, so all in all of these areas of, of lack or, you know, uh, where death or, or fear seems like the only option, that's where he wants to show up. And yeah. that actually leads me to, I had this vision yesterday or the other day, one of these days, that I wanted to share because I thought it was so relevant to what he's doing in my life but what I see him doing in a lot of people right now if you don't mind me sharing yeah go ahead um but I had this this vision I started telling you but then I stopped um I saw a tomato rolling down like a water chute or something like you know one of Mm -hmm. those pipes on the side of the house and so I saw it rolling and I was like okay is this is this one of those things where it's like me picturing this or is God actually showing me a rolling tomato right now what's happening so I saw this tomato rolling down and it was about to fall into onto the ground. And I saw mm-hmm. this little ant, this teeny tiny little ant. And I knew that this tomato was going to splat right on top of the ant and kill it. But the ant, it's like all of a sudden I got insight into this, this tiny little insect's mind. And it was the, the insect knew or the ant knew that it needed to get in position to prepare the way for for a miracle and so this sounds weird but just just wait for it okay. so <laughs> the ant got he moved he was about to get squashed by this tomato so but he moved his position and then when the tomato fell it splatted and it opened up and provided food for the entire colony and so mm-hmm. it was all about the ant's position and allowing the lord to or allowing me just to relate it not to an ant anymore um, allowing the Lord to position us, you know, when it looks impossible, when it looks like, you know, I'm going to die, or this is, this is what's going to take me out, or, you know, this financial situation, I can't pay the bills, or this is going on, this relationship is done, whatever. Allowing the Lord to position you in expectation for provision. 
Mm. But when we stay where we're at, if we stay stagnant, it, it will destroy us because, you know, if we choose to walk outside of God's, you know, protection, that's, that's our choice. We do have a free will. So I was like, whoa, God. Okay. So for this ant, from that ant's perspective, that tomato falling looked like the end of its life, but it knew I have to get in position because I'm expecting a miracle, even though this looks like it's not going to end up well. That so is such that a was, weird analogy, but it's actually really powerful. <laughs> isn't that so? I was like, why did you show it to me this way? Was that really necessary? Oh Couldn't goodness. you just have told me? But I thought that was so good. It like, is good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. just allow him to position you yeah. because he's he wants to provide, but you've got to position yourself knowing that he is going to provide, yeah. even if it looks impossible. So wow. that's all. Well, thank you, Jesus, yeah. for showing her this weird analogy that meant something really powerful. And <laughs> we I got have a laugh to position. Out of it too, so that was good. Yeah, <laughs> we have to position ourselves. That is great. Or let God position us, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. For those things that look like they're going to kill us, whatever that may be, or those things that look like they're going to destroy us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because if I'm not, if I'm not constantly being moldable then I'm going to stay in the same place and you know, he's not going to be able to use me. He's not going to be able to, to present those miracles because yeah. I am, I am stuck. Yeah. You know? So. Wow. Well, thank so you good, for, man. thank you for sharing um, <laughs> yeah. everything, you know, and I think a lot of people can relate to all of it, the bullying, the wanting to be desired by um, somebody, you know, especially when yeah. you grow up in a home where, um, you might not feel desired or you might not feel wanted. Um, yeah. And I know that's, you know, a part of my testimony as well. And so um, mm. it's it's just beautiful that the Lord has you here now. And um, I know we all yeah. still struggle with those things. You know, I think I don't know if that will ever be something we don't struggle with, just that mm-hmm. wanting to be desired, because I think as humans, there are certain things that we are just going to struggle <clears> with. <throat> Um, and the Lord can help us and he can guide us and he can even sustain us if we allow him. But there are some things too that, um, you know, I think the Lord has just kind of let us kind of like a, that thorn, you know, how Paul talks about the thorn that mm-hmm. he prays about and prays, prayed about and it would not go away. Um, mm-hmm. And some people say it could be a sickness or whatever, but, you know, there are certain thorns that the Lord keeps there so that we keep depending on him. Mm-hmm. You know, so that when we're like, Lord, I, I want addiction. Uh, yeah. 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 And he's like, Lord, you know, we're like, Lord, like, take this away, take this away. And he's like, no, I'm going to keep it because I want you to keep leaning on me. Because mm-hmm. if I take that, you might not need me anymore. And I yeah. want you to keep leaning and keep leaning and keep leaning. And to us, it's like, Lord, this is exhausting. And he's like, yeah, but I, I need you to need me. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a codependent thing. He, you know, because we're so, we're, we're mere humans, right? Yeah. So he could get it all done without us, but yeah. he wants us. Yeah. That's the thing. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. Yeah. That's crazy to me. And I was talking to someone recently and they were talking about their, their struggle with, uh, with an addiction. And they were like, yeah, I'm just praying that the Lord will just take this from me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's actually the prayer to be praying. Mm. Right. Isn't it, isn't this supposed to lead me into a deeper level of intimacy with Jesus rather than, you know, because then that that's where his glory can be revealed because nothing circumstantial changed, you know, 
Nothing on the outside changed. It was my heart posture. It was him Mm. supernaturally doing a work that caused me to press into him and not need this, this, this thing that's been, you know, a, a stronghold in my life, even though it was still there, even though the enemy still tried, you know, but God, right. Yeah. Not, he just removed it. That's great. Sometimes he does do that. Sometimes he does. And people are supernaturally just, you know, whatever. But I think it's really, really powerful. And there's so much of his glory waiting to be revealed if we'll just press in deeper. Press yeah. in deeper. Even if nothing on the outside changes. Even if I still want to go do that, you know. And what do you think that means to press in deeper? Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's the thing a lot of church people, Christian people say. But, like, what do you think that means to actually press in deeper? Like, the practical steps. What does that mean? Yeah, so I'm learning how to do this with my daughter um, because I'm like, how do I raise up a child in the way that she should go, knowing how to go deep with the Lord? I don't care how young she is. Yeah. Um, And someone really near and dear to my heart shared with me the other day because I asked kind of the same question. And it was just daily because if we believe what the Word says and that He's going to show up when we ask, Um, if we come together, we ask and we believe then he's there, he's going to show up, he's going to provide, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. Um, so it's very matter of factly believing like a child and, and coming to him every day and saying, God, first of all, what are you praying for? What do you want me to be praying for? What aspect of your character and your heart do you want to reveal to me today? I'm asking you to encounter me. Um, and, and beyond that, I think it's easy to say the prayers, but then it's really hard to just linger and listen. Yeah. So allowing time and space for him to speak. And if you don't hear anything, if you don't see a picture in your mind, if you don't, you know, get up, whatever, go to the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, that seems so simple, but we tend to not do it because we just want, you know, just give it to me, Lord, just supernaturally do this, do that. And it's like, no. He wants to be sought after, right? Like there, there's a verse that talks about, you know, it's the, like the, the pleasure of kings to be sought out or uh, anyway, we find his mysteries. We find his character and who he is when we see what he's done. So we go back and we read, even if it's just a teeny tiny little bit, and then we just pray and seek, okay, God, just reveal more more to me through through this you know his his word is alive it's not dead it's not just words on a page um so whether he speaks to you after just praying that prayer father encounter me in a new way today um because i'm beginning to do that with with uh with my daughter okay we want jesus to show up we want to know who he is and we want to know who we are in him so let's just take a second let's say jesus you know we love you and we want to hear from you. We know that you want to speak to us because you're not, you're not a silent God. So what do you want to say to us today? And sometimes he'll mm-hmm. give me a picture. He'll give me something. He even gave her something the other day. Azaria, wow. my four-year-old, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, and he was speaking to me through that, whether it's that way or whether it's going into the word, actively pursuing him, which we need to be doing anyway, and allowing him to breathe life through those words. He's going to encounter us. But I think it's that that state and that heart posture of am I do I believe that he is who he says he is and am I expectant for him to do something? Mm. That's that childlike faith that we need to have, you know. It's in here, it's in this word, you know. This is who he is, so he's going to do it. He's going to yeah. show up. So I'm just going to 
present myself and he's going to make himself known to me. Well, those are good practical steps because I know even myself sometimes, you know, I can, I can feel like, Lord, like I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm praying, I'm reading Lord, but you know, I don't, I haven't heard from you in a while (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it can feel like that, you know? So, and I think a lot of people experience that and sometimes that can even make you run back to things that you can feel, you know, Mm -hmm. things that are, that you can feel right now. Um, and, and so that's something that recently I'm just like, okay, Lord, hello, 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 I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um, speak to me because, you know, there's those seasons. I just read a book about dry bones because this season I've just felt super dry in my faith and my walk, um, which is very different than how I've felt the past few years. And so it's just like a, an awful place, honestly. Um, in, in my own personal opinion, it's terrible to feel like you don't hear God or you're there, you know, you're, you're trying to spend time with him and it's just like a wall, you know? So, um, I think those Mm. steps are really good to just wait and go to his word and tell him that you're expecting him, Lord, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. I'm expecting to hear from you. I'm, you know, um, just doing those things. And even to, you know, to touch on what you said as well, you know, when we're in dry seasons or when, you know, we feel like we're not hearing him or, or we're kind of losing that hope, um, which, by the way, one of the key things that I learned uh, in the last couple of years about Jesus is that he is the hope. So the hope is found in him. It's not a thing that we seek after. It's not a miracle. The hope mm-hmm. is him. Mm-hmm. But... Um, that's why community is so important, right? Because there are times that I'm going to get discouraged. There are times that I need a shoulder to lean on or somebody to help, you know, hold my hands up, right? So even just like taking time to press into community, like-minded community who you know um, is going to point you towards Jesus, um, offer a safe place for vulnerability, and also, um, yeah, hold, hold your hands up and then be able to share their own stories of God showing up um, that's, that's faith inspiring. Like that's going to cause me to, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're not, you're not dead. You're alive. You're, you're still moving. You're still doing stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, so community is so important, but you've got to, you got to, you got to put work into that. You know, um, I think for a long time I waited for people to just come to me and, um, just hold me up, but it's how, how are we loving each other well and doing life together well? Um, cause we're one body and so yeah. we've, we've got to do it together. Yeah. And that's interesting that you say that because it is true. Actually, this past year I've had less community than I had when I first got saved. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I got saved in 2017 and I had community like of people, um, seeking the Lord, like around me constantly. And this past year with Corona and everything, like I haven't, I mean, I have a community of friends, but um, mm-hmm. to say that they're all actively pursuing the Lord would be a, a lie, you know, um, mm-hmm. some of them are for sure, but you know, um, I definitely, definitely need to be around more people that, um, are actively pursuing God and want to know him deeper, you know? Yeah. Um, because yeah. it's true. The people you're around is, is kind of what you'll fall into. And if they're okay with where they are, then you'll be okay with where you are just by who you're associating with. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And there's, and there's obviously balance to that because Jesus, you know, ate with the prostitutes and and did whatever. So, but 
He had his core people. He had his core people. And so when you've got your core people, like-minded people around you, then that helps in in that equipping and refining process to then be able to go out. And then what do you also do with that um, to those who aren't like-minded? And and how do you... um, because ultimately we're, you know, we're all called to the, the Great Commission to go um, and be Jesus out there, you know. So I have to, in my own life, be really, really intentional about um, going first to him alone, you know, starting that vertical relationship, putting all my, my energy, my first fruit, my first energy and effort into that. And then, um, you know, going to the core people around me who I knew, who I know will edify me and point me towards Jesus. Yeah. And then there's, you know, every, everyone else that I'm supposed to be Jesus to. Mm. So. Wow. Well, this was really good. Um, I am so glad we got to hear your story and you even encouraged me today. So I really appreciate that. Um, well, but, thank you for giving me a place to share and yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, to do this and, um, yeah, just to share in my own experiences, and, and I'm a verbal processor as well, so this helps me even in being able to uh, to be able to to go back and, and process just even things that have happened to me and work through those, you know, be, being vulnerable, because um, this process is messy. It's not cute, um, but if we're able to enter into, yeah, if we're able to me- enter into the mess with each other and, and also bring that to the Lord, be vulnerable with Him, then He'll meet us in that mess, so this is good stuff. Thank you so much for you know, for creating this space um, yeah. to do this, Leticia. Well, I'm excited and I'm excited about what this season is going to bring. It's going to be different than last season, but it's going to be really um, just beautiful. I'm, I'm really, 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 really excited. So thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for just being willing, you know? Yeah. I yeah, really well, I appreciate you. Yes, absolutely. Go okay. Ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Jesus, we just thank you for being here. We thank you for how you want to reveal yourself to us and to everyone listening, God, whether that's one person or a thousand people. We just thank you for uh, being so intentional and and um, it, you're such an individual. You're you know you operate corporately, but you also operate individually. So we thank you for how you want to meet and encounter me and Leticia and every listener in a new way today, Father. So I just bless everyone listening. I bless you, Leticia. Um, and I just thank you, Father, for all that you're doing, all that you're teaching us, and help help us to um, just remain focused on you, um, on this, the, you know, the straight and narrow, and not get distracted by the things of this world, but to just be laser focused on your goodness, who you are, and your love, and then be able to reflect you to uh, the world. So we thank you for who you are and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, guys. Well, we will see you next episode. We hope that you learned a lot about Micah, your new um, co-host. We love you guys. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.